All right, everybody, welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. Uh, we got Mr. Craig Ingram with us again today from Tennessee A11. How are you, buddy? Doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me back on. It's like I'm a recurring guest, or does this make me a co-host, or what does this mean for me? I think it just sounds like a problem. I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate you coming back on, ma'am. Uh, we got a special guest with us today, uh, Mr. David Hirsch from Hirsch Excavating and the president of the new Nuka of East Tennessee chapter. How are you, David? Uh, doing well, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on, man. For anybody in Middle Tennessee that doesn't know, we got a chance to get to know David and a little bit about the East Tennessee chapter at the at the national convention out in Tucson, and uh, it, they've got some really exciting stuff going on over there. Yeah, I want to want to thank you, Matt. Um, first of all, the Middle Tennessee chapter really welcomed me, uh, you know, and supported me. Uh, thank you for the hospitality for the East Tennessee chapter at the, at the National Convention in Tucson. Uh, great, great to meet you, folks. Oh man, it was it was our pleasure. We had a great time, and 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 you know, seeing the momentum you guys have going in East Tennessee has has been pretty awesome. I mean, with that, I'd kind of like for all our members to kind of get to know how y'all how y'all got up and going. You know, who were the key players in getting East Tennessee going? Well, uh, of course, you know Ken Sommer, the executive director of the National. Um, he had called. I'd had some conversations before, but but Ken called and said, you know, hey, let's get this thing going. And uh, I started. That was uh, that was probably late late summer, early fall last year. And I made a made a few phone calls, and um, next thing you know, we're we're having dinner at Puelos down here in Knoxville. But. Uh, um, I guess there was about 13 or 14 of us, you know, and uh, um, went pretty good. Here we are. Um, I don't know. You want me to list some people that was that was at the dinner? Yeah, that'd be great. I, we'd, we'd love to know who all was involved. Uh, in, you well, know, of course, myself, Ken, Ken Sommer, um, Rick and Mike Adams, Adams Construction, um, Rance Merkel, Merkel Brothers, uh, Robert Hansard, Dewey Brown with Brown Construction, Mike and Tim Smith with Mike Smith Pump Service, Andy Graves, United Rentals, Consolidated Pipe, uh, Portland Utilities, Cross Country Infrastructure, and Site Southern Site Contractors. I think they're uh, you got a member down there also from that. Yeah, company. yes, sir, we do. Yes, yeah, Southern Site's based here in uh, Gallatin, but they they work all over. So that's uh, that's awesome that they're supporting both chapters. I love hearing that. Yeah, that's a really good group, David. Did you guys have much of an existing relationship before this, or was it kind of the the Nuka concept that brought you together? Well, we did. You know, we all knew each other um, or knew of each other. So, like I said, you know, Ken had called me, and uh, um, I'd put some thought into it. made made some made several phone calls to companies that I knew, and everybody seemed to be very interested and, and realized the need. Uh, a few weeks after that, when, like I said, we had the first dinner. So um, that was, uh, I think that was in August. And uh, we took off from there. Everybody's been very supportive. Uh, our associates, uh, give a shout out to Jimmy Rode from Rode from Moss. They're an associate member now also. Sorry, we'll talk to Jimmy uh, later in the podcast. So it's great to be able to utilize the resources that the different members bring to the table. What does that put your current member count at? Uh, right at 35. Uh, we've got several verbally, I guess, as most chapters do, but they've early committed. But, I mean, I can soon see us at 40 within the next month or so, hopefully. Great. 
Wow, that's awesome. The, uh, I, so I guess what once you guys started getting together and, and talking and and starting to get the chapter rolling, what kind of provoked you guys to to all come together? You know, as a chapter and and kind of what was your common common ground or issues? I guess. You know, yeah, I mean, um, as contractors, we all had the same problems. You know, everything from employment. Um, I guess everybody's always got engineering problems, uh, owner, um, customer problems. And uh, the first initial conversations, it's like, man, we've all got the same problems here. So let's get together and talk about them. And uh, um, that's how we ended up here. You know, we went forward, uh, set ground. You know, Ken really set the groundwork for us, I guess, like he did you all. I don't have to tell you about that, but um, sitting around the table and he's like, we're doing dinner. He said, if we're going to really do this thing, we got to have a president. And of course, we all started pointing at each other, you know, <laughs> and it seems like uh, most everybody was pointing at me. I'm shaking my head no and everybody is saying yes. So Uh-oh. That's, that's how I've ended up uh, in the position, which I'm, I'm glad to help. Glad to do what I can feel like I made a lot of the same the first conversations you know started the first calls the first conversations so uh, I guess I kind of led myself to be there with something I wanted to do but here I am <laughs> yeah I, I know that feeling I, sometimes, I like sometimes you get elected for stuff you really didn't want to do but uh, it's a it's a good program I'll have to tell you all that um, I support it I uh, got a lot of passion for it so maybe I am the right person for the job well Matt yeah. doesn't know anything about being voluntold does he yeah, yeah. I, I like to joke that Craig Vaughn told me for the for the president thing. He said after I think it was after a damn prevention meeting one time here in Nashville. He said, "Hey Matt, won't we uh, start a Nuka chapter?" I said, "All right, well let me look into Nuka." Next thing I know, he said, "Hey Mr. President, oh, okay." <laughs> no, it's um, you know giving big credit where credits due. Matt and David, you guys have both uh, just really hit the ground running, and it, it's what's incredible to me is that we we had this concept, this limited understanding of what the Utility Contractors Association is and, and what it could be. And you guys in your respective chapters have really just uh, carried this to a point where we had this really loose vision. And now it's this organization that is meeting and, and doing and creating a benefit. So kudos to, to both of you guys. Oh, hell, man, I appreciate that. It wasn't hard. I, no, no, I just want to echo what David said. I, I was passionate about getting it going, so it, it, it made it pretty easy, and I, I think it's been the same for David. He's, he's kind of jumped on it and, and took off with it. Yeah, it sells itself. You know, you start the conversation, and, and um, everybody's like, man, I got this same problem you're talking about. So, it's um, yeah, it's work, worked Absolutely. out well. David, can we revisit, you know, you said that um, it, it's not difficult to sell the concept, and I agree with that entirely, but um, were there any kind of key issues or key challenges that you feel like really brought this group together, you know, now? Of all the times that this could have happened, you know, what made now the good fit for it? Um, I think we've needed it for a while. Um, you know, I'd I'd heard about Nuka many years ago, about 20 years ago, not long after I'd gotten started. And uh, they had a chapter, I guess it was the entire state of Tennessee at that time, that made it real hard for people. Uh, not sure if they had the right people in the right positions. You know, I think um, as contractors, uh, we all talk about the, gosh, Craig, you know, we don't have to tell you about the dig-in problems and, and the problems we have with locates and, and yeah. other utilities and the damage prevention of that and the damage and who gets the bill. Um, the employment problem, the lack of 
you know, employees, you know, everybody's got the same problem. And um, um, every time we get together, we, we come up with another problem and everybody's, well, yeah, well, I, got to, I got that problem also. So, <laughs> so what are like your, your successes so far? You know, what have you guys accomplished if you had to hit on, you know, maybe some of the, the top topics? Well, um, you know, where do we go from here? As far as what do we want to do or what have we done, you know, I guess uh, as far as having our membership and the meetings and, you know, and getting a lot of, a lot of new members, I feel like, you know, 35 is a pretty good number for no longer than, than uh, we've been going. But, um, you know, we've, we've got several things that we're looking at doing that we're wanting to do, you know, as, as, um, as a young membership, there's just a lot of hoops to jump through uh, and, and trying to learn a lot from you all and, and other, um, other chapters, you know, the, the national NUCA convention was just a big help for me as a president and, um, well, just a general, you know, the manager of a, of a construction company as well. Yeah. Well, uh, Matt knows a hundred percent the challenges that go into, you know, growing the new chapter and the success of your membership growth is definitely a huge milestone so far because, you know, Matt, I, I think you'd agree with this. The larger your membership, the more that you're capable of, because that's more resources that you're bringing to the table. Yeah, uh, that, definitely that, power numbers. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, what you says is 100% correct. It's it's power in numbers, and the more people you can bring together to have as one voice, the louder that voice speaks, and the more people are going to listen to it. So your, your power in numbers is absolutely correct. All right. Uh, well, David, I, I guess after that, I mean. So what's on the horizon for, for East Tennessee? What are you guys looking to, assuming we get past all this COVID-19 stuff, what's, uh, what are y'all looking to accomplish? Yeah, that's, that's the problem. You know, uh, we had a, had a good meeting here in April, supposed to have been this week. Um, uh, Wright brothers down in Charleston had opened up their headquarters. We were supposed to have a, um, a membership meeting down there, dinner. We're trying to open up the Chattanooga market and, and even Tri-Cities also, but we're trying to move our meetings closer to, to them. You know, if we had one in Knoxville, it's all obviously easy for the Knoxville people. So we're trying to reach out to, to these other cities. You know, Chattanooga is a large, obviously a very large city, so we were moving down that way. Charles is about halfway between Knoxville, but that one is canceled. We'll end up doing – um, a board call. Uh, we've been doing that by by conference calls um, when we can. Um, of course, that's canceled. Um, but hopefully, in June, we've got a, um, a safety stand down. United Rentals um, is partnering, I guess, with the national nuke. It's not just our local, but it's all over the United States. You know. Um, June, the third week of June is trench safety stand down. Um, and they're going to be having a, um, uh, hosting a luncheon cookout. We're going to have a shoring equipment expo, um, excavation safety presentations. I would think that you all probably have something similar going down your way, but uh, that's one of the things that we've got coming up. Um, also had the discussion, if you recall in, in, uh, uh, Tucson there, the Nebraska chapter has um, got a, a junior college where they've developed a curriculum for the utility contractor. Um, I'm wanting to go down and uh, visit them when all this, uh, when all this is over and, 
take a look at the curriculum, um, hopefully even visit the, you know, the college and, and uh, bring that curriculum back to Tennessee. Um, uh, like to have some contacts, you know, TCAT, uh, if you're familiar with the TCAT program, introduce it oh, yeah. there and some of our local, local colleges here, you know, um, from what I'm gathering from them that, you know, they teach you how to read plans, uh, shoot grade, set up lasers, OSA training, trench safety training, confined space entry. I could go on, but, um, you know, possibly even some equipment simulators. So that's, uh, that's one of the big things that very early on first meetings that, that, uh, I really think is very important. Uh, one of the, one of the things that I'm pushing for these Tennessee chapter to, to get that, to get that curriculum back here and, uh, Hopefully, um, well, at the end of the day, we want we want to have more employees interested in the utilities. You know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, and we, we did, as you said, a similar event with United Rentals last year, and we're looking forward to doing it again this year. Man, it was it was a really a great event. So as many people from your chapter as you can get out to that, it, they're going to really enjoy it. United Rentals put on a, a, a very good uh, uh, day for us last year. And I, I would definitely be willing to, head down to Nebraska with you and check out what they've got set up because it's from what they explain, man, it, it sounds great. Yeah. Great. I'd love to, uh, let's get together on that soon. And, and of course we got to wait till all this clears, but uh, you know, with the COVID-19, but uh, yeah, I'd be glad to be glad to go down there with you. That's awesome. Well, David, thanks for the update on the chapter. Uh, since we're talking about COVID-19 a little bit, we'll uh, all right. Yeah, we're going to switch gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit about how, the East Tennessee Nuka chapter and their, their members are handling, handling COVID-19 and trying to keep everybody healthy and, and, uh, you know, keep everybody from getting sick and keeping it off the jobs. And David, I know you guys have been doing, putting in a lot of hours trying to, trying to get educated on it. Yes, sir. We have, um, webinars and, uh, got a lot of good information. Uh, and, uh, at the beginning of this, you know, we've got a lot of forums and stuff also, if, uh, if that would help you all you ask and we can email them to you. And, and some field uh, tailgate talks. I know you have some you mentioned there, but uh, anything else that you'd need, uh, reach out to us. We'd be glad to email them to you. Okay. Yeah, we'd be glad to, to share those with the membership. Um, so I, I guess, man, if you don't mind sharing, what are some tips and tricks you guys are using up there about, you know, keeping everybody healthy and, and trying to prevent the spread of COVID-19 on the job? Well, fortunately, we are essential. So we're still working. That's, that's a good thing. Um, you know, we've uh, we're engaging in social distancing, of course, wearing PPA, um, you know, taking advantage of uh, hand sanitizer wipes um, provided to each job site. Um, our clue, our crew is, you know, cleaning, cleaning uh, door handles, doorknobs, control levers, you know, and equipment um, every couple of hours. Um, trying to trying to eliminate altogether showering equipment, sharing equipment. You know, a lot of times it's hard to do. You got one, uh, you got several operators or several pieces of equipment, but uh, we're trying to limit that also. Uh, in in trucks, we're requiring only one person per regular cab trucks. So if you got a standard pickup or a, or a dump truck, only one person is allowed in there at a time, and that's uh, causing logistic problems, as you could uh, as you could imagine. Uh, we're allowing at this time allowing two people in a crew cab truck so we'll have uh, of course the driver and then uh, in the right rear uh, we can have another passenger but uh, this time we're allowing for that that could change 
I was gonna say that, that's interesting. We I didn't even think about uh, separating them in the pickup truck like that. But that you're right. That would create a logistical nightmare. That's a very interesting point. It, it does. You know, our people or our employees are driving to the job site. Sometimes they did anyway, but now you know, uh, you know, we're just doing what we can to get them to the job site and around the job site. Uh, you know, we we need them on the job, need them working, but at the same time, we're you know, um, I, I feel like that that's a that that a potential problem. So we've uh, we've started that a, you know a couple of weeks ago. Um, and another thing we're doing, they show up on the you know and they were kind of hesitant at, at first. Uh, of course, it's uh, we don't touch them to do it, but when they show up in the morning, uh, get out of their vehicle to go to work. We check their temperature. Uh, we do that again uh, after lunch. We check their temperature again. So. Uh, just doing everything that we can think of to uh, to try to eliminate them. Not that we don't want them there, but if they have a fever, we don't want them there, you know? Yeah, it's not worth the risk. I mean, these steps that we're all taking in the industry, you know, we're, we're all figuring it out on a daily basis, you know, uh, based on the guidance that we're getting from the government. But um, uh, every step that you can take to try to minimize the spread on your job site and, and keep your workforce healthy and and in work, I mean, not only is it critical to your company and and to these essential activities that our, um, you know, our, our partners in the industry do, but it just makes good sense for your people to keep them healthy. Yeah, yes, sir. And that also goes for our truck drivers, you know, and uh, it could be a subcontract driver for that matter. They they come in, they get out of the truck, they get their temperature took, or you know, or um, you know, and, and our own drivers, which we have our own trucks also, uh, dump trucks, uh, you know, we're encouraging them to lock down the steering wheel, shift lever, turn signals, you know, even though there's only one in there, you know, uh, just swap it down every couple hours. And, uh, one thing to hit on about truck drivers also, I don't know if you know this, um, uh, the FM's CSA extended their CDLs, you know, their medical cards. So if they have a medical card expiring, you know, to get their renewal for their CDLs, they've extended that date till June the 30th, 20th, 2020. So that's going to help a little bit also to keep them from having to try to get to a doctor's office. That's great. David, do you think there's any challenges that you guys face in East Tennessee that, you know, maybe NUCA members in Middle Tennessee or, or even in other parts of the country are not facing is there anything about your geography that that changes anything is there anything about local regulations um what are your thoughts on that front you know i, I think you know uh, probably like most of the nuca uh, contractors you know municipalities water utility districts for most of our, our customers government government controlled um so i think that each one separately could be different i'm not sure um it's it's been eye-opening honestly um you know um, i think the best thing that middle tennessee can do or for all nuca for that matter is just continue following the cdc guidelines you know we're we're holding our knox county health department that's where we're getting our information from mostly uh, if we have any questions we call the knox county health department and i would uh, i would recommend anyone you know, making sure they have that number and that's going to be their go-to is your county health department. Um, I know personally, we've have, um, we have, and again, I've, I've uh, said, you, you know, we've got forms or any information we got, uh, we'll definitely share, but 
we uh, we have an essential worker certification card. I don't know if we're going to need it. We went ahead and gave that to each employee. Um, and I don't know that it really if it would make any difference, but they are essential employees. And if it ever came to the came to the governor saying, OK, um, you know, you're on lockdown unless you're an essential employee. I didn't want to try to get these out to each employee. You know, if he came out today and said that, then we're going to have to, um, you know, hurry up and get those to everyone before they can come back to work tomorrow. So I've got that also. It's just um, uh, a card that we printed out, had it laminated and given, given those to them. So we're just trying to trying to be proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, I know we, we've had a similar thing here. We've had to print out the forms showing where the guys are essential employees. And luckily, we've not had anybody, you know, stopped and checked or anything at this point. Um, but it, but it's, it's definitely a good thing to have in your pocket in case you were to need it. Yeah, exactly. And we did have one client called called me and I wanted to talk about our policy. And it sounded like our policy was the same as theirs usually. And, and if we do have an employee test positive, they want to know about it immediately, which we haven't. We have had some with that actually had the flu, um, but they got tested for the uh, COVID-19 and they did not have it fortunately. We had a lot of information that we, we went out to the job site about four weeks ago when this first started and, you know, had a tailgate talk with all the employees and, and handed them all a packet to take home because it's not just the employee, you know, we want their families and their their friends to read it so we we've seen it home with them you know obviously uh we don't want our employees sick we don't want their families and friends sick either so this is larger larger than just you know our our business so oh absolutely we we definitely want to not be spreading this beyond the job site if it is there to people's families and all that because i mean honestly as contractors and and working in the utility industry it's our our safety as is ditch diggers is important, but we also we want to make sure we're keeping our families and stuff safe too. So that's, that's awesome. You, you shared that with everyone's families. The, um, so I guess also I'd like to, I'd mentioned it. Are you guys in East Tennessee having any challenges when it comes to customers allowing you in their facilities or having issues getting job site documents signed off on for purchase orders or whatever it might be? It's not been not been too bad. They they will not let us in our facilities. Um, and I'm sorry, will not let us in their facilities. We won't let anybody in our facility either. Uh, I'm at the office now, but uh, you know, if you don't have a desk in their office, you're not allowed in, and uh, only allowed in here if needed. At that point, if you need to come into the office, uh, you know, our laborers, drivers, operators, um, you know, gosh, people come in out applications they're not allowed to come inside you know um, it's just I, and it's not just us I, I think it's industry wide yeah i think you're correct we, we have the same thing going on here we're we're limited people coming in and out of our offices and we're not allowed into our 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 customers offices so i mean i think you're right that's pretty industry wide and and it's as inconvenient as it can be at times it's it's a good thing to keep everybody healthy yeah i, I agree 100 percent uh you know, there's no no doubt this is changing our interest industry probably the way we're going to be doing the work from now on. Um, getting some experience here, we really didn't want. I like to say. <laughs> I think you, I think you're probably right. This is, I think it's um, shedding a lot of light on the capabilities of companies to to handle things in this fashion, and I think it might become kind of the new norm. 
Yeah, and along those lines, David, what's it been like to, you know, just get supplied to do the job, to, to get pipe, you know, if you need parts for equipment? Uh, what kind of challenges are you seeing on that front? Um, most of them I've seen, you know, uh, they come to the job site, truck drivers don't even get out of the truck. We unload, um, gosh, even getting tickets signed has been a issue. It's hard to, hard to get a big ticket signed if you stay six feet apart, you know. Um, when our guys go, go for materials, it's the same thing. You call ahead, tell them what you want. You pull up, they load your truck. You never get out of the truck. So, you know, that's been some challenges in itself. You know, sometimes it takes two guys to pick up a heavy part or something. That's just, you know, you have to stand there and have somebody come over with a piece of equipment and load it. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, we're learning this social distancing, um, all aspects really on the job side it's um it's cost us time and money it's hard to measure but you know it's definitely yeah. slowing production now have you guys i know you mentioned earlier you guys are using the wipes and hand sanitizer and all that have you guys found any challenges in east tennessee trying to get your hands on that stuff because i know we've had a we've had a time trying to get it here early on we did for sure yes um Amanda, uh, I know that you have talked to her and, uh, here in the office. She's been very good about tracking that stuff down. Uh, been been very very helpful. But you know, when it first started, you know, I think everyone uh, was uh, kind of thought they were in a crisis from everything to mask and even toilet paper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, the toilet paper crisis was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, man, do you got any um, any other? tips or tricks that you guys are using to to lay on us uh you know uh, we're going to electronic obviously uh these podcasts which you were doing it before but here we are um you know was national nuka down to Sarah, arizona there last month and uh, one of the things that came up you know was uh electronic bids and and um, um how we're going how could we do mandatory pre-bids and not have to be in on site well, i've got I've got one customer. They, well, of course, they don't allow you in their facility. No visitors in their facility, and and uh, we had a couple of bids coming up. They pushed them out, and um, and we're doing them electronically. Uh, two bids in the last two weeks were submitted electronically. We've been doing uh, mandatory pre-bids electronically. And when I say that, it's a conference call, but they see your caller ID, and I'm not sure how they identify that it's actually you, but. Um, I do know on their electronic bid openings, I've not seen it on their end, but I see it on my end. You know, they we submit them and it gives you a uh, emails you back and lets you know that it was submitted. So that's happened. You know, it, we talked about, you know, where it's going at the National Nuclear in March. And here we are, April, and we're doing it. You know, so. Yeah, that's, that's and it that happened pretty quickly with all this going on. <laughs> we we were doing some of this anyway. You know, our field personnel are, are sending in our payroll and uh, their timesheets have been that electronically, daily reports. Um, our software is set up, you know, for credit card receipts. We had some doing it. We've been doing it for two or three months with certain uh, field employees that may have been a little more techie and uh, had their smartphones just more of a – a trial instead of having everybody do it at once we had we had two crews doing it and then of course now everyone's doing i mean the list goes on and the, the things that we're we're doing in that aspect but, um, it's it's definitely like i said it's changing the way we're doing business it's it's definitely changing uh, my company for sure 
It, that it has. Uh, well, man, I, I appreciate you shedding what you guys are doing in East Tennessee uh, and sharing it with us and, and uh, you know, having a little discussion about it. Um, so if, if and anybody that wants more information about it, obviously David said they're more than welcome to share what they have. Uh, we as well at Nuka Mill, Tennessee, we've had several of our the members that are insurance companies and groups and providers have stepped up and sent out all kinds of information that Judah has sent out through through emails and we've put some on our Facebook and so if you want to take another look at that let us know Judah would be happy to send it back to you um, and also episodes two and three of the we dig Tennessee podcast we, we covered COVID-19 on both of those so if you want any more information we've got some resources out there uh, absolutely let us know we'll we'll give them to you all right guys and uh now we're going to switch over to talking a little bit about uh paycheck protection program and uh gotta thank david again for for bringing on a, a great guest to kind of explain a little bit to us about it uh mr jimmy rodifer man thank you for coming on glad to be here guys hey jimmy well david before we move along do you want to kind of explain to us how you got to know jimmy yeah sure jimmy uh jimmy rodifer rodifer moss he's uh he's been my accountant um preparing financial statements and my taxes as well as uh, other accounting needs since 1998 so jimmy and i've got a long-standing relationship um take it away jimmy all right well jimmy i guess with that man um we'll start with can you just give us i guess a basic breakdown of how it works and and is it a loan or a grant or kind of what how's this how's this program work well sure uh I can tell you these payroll protection loans are a big hot potato right now, and there's a lot of confusion around them. Um, they're a form of an SBA loan, and there's a lot of people that are confusing these by traditional SBA loans. There's other new types of loans called an EIDL, which we don't want to talk about those right now. We don't have time. But, but basically, a payroll protection loan is a program that was put out with the CARES Act, I guess about 10 days ago or something, that's providing loans to small businesses uh, in the first step, but then ultimately later, a substantial portion or all of them will be forgiven, which is sort of like a grant. So, and I believe these things are applicable or are available to most contractors as long as you got less than 500 employees. So it's a big deal. So, um, but, but it's confusing right now. The banks are, or it's administered by the banks they're in disagreement. They can't come to figure out exactly how to do it or what qualifies. Uh, we've been heavy into this thing for ever since they before they were passed, and I think I've got a pretty good handle on it. I mean, even since we've been sitting here, I've gotten two or three emails from banks admitting that they were computing things incorrectly and such and so forth. So anyway, it's confusing, and I, you know, um, we can um, just talk more about how those happen. You know, which you know, how to go about it if you'd like. Yeah, that, that'd be wonderful. Um, it, it sounds like everybody's kind of feeling out the process as they go through it since it's, it's new to everybody. But I, I guess how would, how would you start kind of figuring out what you can get or borrow or however it works? Well, it, it sounds simple on the surface until you get down into some of the details. And, um, but basically you can go back and, and you calculate what two and a half times your, your, two and a half times your monthly payroll for the year of 2019 or a trailing 12 months. Um, and you can get a loan for 
that amount, which for, you know, if you're uh, labor intensive, that can be a pretty substantial number. So, um, and it's your, it's your growth and, and the, the inside the details, that's where the confusion gets. Uh, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm clear on this, the, um, but your payroll costs are your gross payroll costs. And they, uh, but it also includes your health benefits or your retirement benefits as well as that. Um, state unemployment taxes you pay, not federal unemployment taxes, but state unemployment taxes. <clears throat> you don't get to count your employer payroll taxes, FICA, Medicaid, and, and all that. Um, but you do, but um, you do get to include these other benefits. Um, one thing that's a little unclear. This matters to contractors is whether or not you get to include workers' compensation insurance. There's been that's ambiguous right now. There's no clear guidance, so we're helping our clients left and right. I mean, they may not care about their tax returns being filed right now because of the extension, but they sure do care about their payroll protection loans. So, so we, uh, you can. Uh, but anyway, we're including the workers' comp expense is our submittals. Um, if they get back, to, if they get denied, they get denied. But I think it, you, you go ahead and try that. So but basically, that's how it's uh, computed in a nutshell. There's a couple exceptions. Um, it's, it's limited to $100,000 for, for your highly competent individuals. It's, it only You only get to count the first $100,000 per employee. Um, one of the big questions people have had is, uh, do you get to include on, do the owner's compensation? And... The answer there is yes, you do, up to $100,000. That's kind of simple with the S corporation or a C corporation because you got a W-2. But if you're an LLC, that's been – and that's a little ambiguous in the in the regulations right now. But, but our conclusion is is that, yes, you get to include, include those two. So that's a very simplified explanation of how you compute the original loan. Jimmy, did you say that uh, you can claim the first hundred thousand dollars for an employee? Is that right? That's correct. So if you let's, and this is worth going through a little math. I hate sounding like an accountant, but if you were to pay somebody one hundred and ten thousand dollars in gross payroll, and then let's say that your retirement contribution and your health benefits added up to another twenty thousand, so that's a total of one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Well, you get to count the first hundred thousand of the hundred and ten. But then you also get to include those benefits the, of 20000 So for that one person, it would add up to 120 And what you don't get is that gross payroll over and above 100000 Sure. And $100,000 can sound like a, a relatively you know high cap or high ceiling for an employee. But when we consider kind of the loaded compensation and benefits and everything that plays into it, I imagine a lot of employers are going to hit that cap sooner than they expect. Well, it depends on the bank you're talking to. The, the good thing is, is you can pay somebody 100000 and then have benefits over and above that 100 You get to count those, too. So um, now I've been I've been in uh, kind of heated debates with several bankers uh, around town who disagree with that. But actually, the Department <laughs> of Treasury issued something last night confirming our, the way we've interpreted it. So. So, yeah, that's a big number. And you got to watch out for your banks they're computing it right. Maybe in a week or so they'll get it figured out. But um, but there's still a lot of them making mistakes. So I just can't can't uh, emphasize enough to to double to don't just trust them. You got to double check it. So 
Yeah, and I'd say that that, you know, we had a an episode of the podcast where we kind of talked about COVID-19, what we know about it, some preventative measures that you can take to protect your job site. And this is kind of another element of that. I mean, Jimmy is an expert in the field, much more so than I am, definitely. But this is all uncharted, you know, unprecedented territory. And a lot of this is learning by doing, you know, even on the government side, they're still figuring a lot of it out. So uh, the people that are listening to this podcast and, and hopefully they're getting beneficial information, it still needs to be run through, you know, your representative, the person who's assisting you in this matter and checked against whatever the latest news is from the government at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> so, so anyway, um, now probably what everybody would like to understand is, well, that's a loan. That's all we've talked about so far, but there's a part. And by the way, the loan is a got very favorable terms. It's got a 1% interest rate and um, you have to pay it back over two years, except the payments on the first six months uh, or deferred. So you don't have to make payments for six months. Then, uh, then ultimately whatever, you know, then, then the interest rates 1%. But, um, the, the best part of this is a program is a substantial portion of the, of the loan will likely be forgiven. Um, and there's a, there's a different way to calculate that than how you calculate the loan amount. Um, remember before I mentioned that the loan amount is, basically the average of two and a half months of your payroll from last year. Well, what you'll get forgiven is uh, eight weeks or let's call it two months worth, worth of future payroll um, starting on the day that your loan gets funded. So you plus any rent you pay or mortgage interest or utilities on your facilities. So, um, so it's, you know, it's not exactly the same computation and, and you, and the, the amount forgiven may not add up. Two months of salary may not plus rent and utilities may not add up to two and a half months of last year, but but it'll be pretty close to it. And essentially, that's going to be forgiven. So, um, so that I mean that's a that's a I mean that's a meaningful number. So uh, I encourage everybody to really look into this. So th there's some limitations some additional limitations that um, they get kind of technical. I won't go into, but certainly willing to help anybody on a one-on-one -on -one basis. If you got further questions, but that's in a nutshell, that's the simple way to do it. I mean, it's, it's that's the, that's the, um, the basics. Wow. That, that, it's impressive. And it, it sounds like, like quite an opportunity for people to take advantage of given all the uncertainty right now. So it's a, uh... I guess, um, so who, who would someone contact if they wanted to get the ball rolling on something like this? Well, the easiest path is to first contact your current bank, your, the bank that you already have a relationship with. Um, they may be hard to get a hold of them because their they're phone phones are ringing off the hook, so you may have to email them. They'll send you a list of the stuff they need and how they plan on calculating it. And um, But then what I would do is I'd, you know, go, you know, um, maybe get your assistance of your outside accountant. Uh, we can certainly help whether we do, we know you or not um, to, because it needs to be fact checked and double checked on how the banks are computing this. But uh, what we're running into is we know how to do it. We figured it out. And then one bank, you know, this bank or that bank will have different requirements. So you start there, start with your local banker. Um, hopefully they're in the SBA program. 
Uh, if they're not, there are banks that are viewing this as an opportunity to make relationships with new customers. Some banks aren't, won't talk to you if you don't already have a relationship with them. But um, mostly the big banks are in that, in that arena. But, but you got some small, you, everybody knows them, small local bankers and, um, that, are, that are hungry and more agile. So that'd be your second step. Um, so, and, and, and certainly your lawyer or your accountant um, would, would be able to give you some recommendations on where to go. Um, some of them are, some of your accountants right now are buried in busy seed, the tax season and um, having trouble getting their hands around it. And I understand that, but um, we've, we've actually set up a, you know, a whole group, a specialized group to focus on these things. And um, so, uh, so you know, that's a couple avenues that you could use. What's the good timeline for acting on this? You know, I've gotten some guidance that it's better to go ahead and start the application process for funds, even if you're not immediately looking to uh, take the loan. So do you recommend that people go ahead and get moving on this or, or do you recommend that they wait? What's your guidance? <laughs> That's a funny question. Uh, you know, last week, they, they technically the SBA was supposed to start accepting applications th- from the banks this past Friday. Um, they only, they, they really didn't have guidance for the banks till Thursday night at eight o'clock. So, um, but and on the news or fake news or whatever you call it, the rumor was you better get it in on Friday or the money's going to run out. So, you know, magically Friday morning, we, we probably had a thousand customers that said, we got to get ours done today. And, and, um, which was, you know, not practical and <laughs> to say the least, but I think that the, the, you know, it, you've, you still got more time than that rumor. Uh, you know, I don't want to speculate, but Mnuchin and the president have both said that if the money's run out, that they'll replenish it. That's probably easier said than done. Um, but but I do think that it's prudent to go ahead and get on it. Uh, the banks are probably already your banks probably already stacked up with with um, with applications. They can't figure out how to get submitted because the SBA's um, websites crashing daily. Uh, for example, I, when the banks I've talked to yesterday, so they had most success submitting them to the SBA on Saturday and Sunday. So there's some of the banks are doing some very interesting things to get them processed. To work in second and third shift, if you can believe that about banks, they're really they're really trying. A lot of them are really trying hard. But but that's a long answer to a yes. Do not do not sit on this. Um, go ahead and get it. And, and, the, and it's supposed to be funded pretty fast. And I'll say one other thing: if anybody's ever dealt with SBA loans before the historically a, a loan with the SBA is a very arduous task. It takes a lot of administrative effort and cost. They have drastically simplified these things. So, I mean, I'm told that they can get funded in like a week by the time wow. the SBA accepts it. So now that I'm not heard anybody that's actually gotten a check yet, but, um, but I do believe it'll be fast. Well, it's definitely good news for small businesses nationwide and the members of you know the Utility Contractors Association in Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee. We've been fortunate enough so far that we qualify as essential services, and you know for the most part, hopefully our our source of funding hasn't been impacted. But you know the longer this plays out, the the less likely or or the more difficult it's going to be to come across contracts and new projects and and keep your your people in work so it's a good resource to know about to be taking action on and uh, at the very least to have a plan in place for 
Well, that's a good point. I mean, if you if your backlog's running out, you need to get it started while you while you still got backlog, so your payroll's higher for to get your amount forgiven. So. All right. Well, man, uh, thank you again for coming on and, and going over this with us and, and shedding a little light on it. I know it's kind of a, as you say, it, it, it's still kind of feeling itself out out there on how to get it going and how they're going to fund it and all that kind of stuff. But you, I think you really shed some light on it for us today, and I appreciate that. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be part of your new organization, too. Yeah, thank you. All right. Yeah. All right, guys, with that – um. We'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, any parting comments from any of you guys? I just want to reiterate that you know resources like this are at your disposal through your local NUCA chapter, whether it's Middle Tennessee, whether it's East Tennessee. If you don't have an existing relationship with somebody like Jimmy, you know this is a great avenue to do that. So uh, make sure you understand that. Make sure you're taking advantage of those resources that are available to you. Hey, and uh, you know, if, if just for some general information, we have a we have posted a plethora of information, documents, forms, interpretations, and stuff on our website. If you um, and we don't stalk you, if you want to get up there and look at, you know, you can feel free to avail yourself to those resources at uh, Road for Moss's website. So that um, certainly feel free to. There's a tab on the front page; it'll take you directly to it. So uh, if you if you that, that may be a good place to get started on understanding some things. So, Yeah, and we can include your site and the show notes that go out with this podcast so that everybody knows how to get to that information. Absolutely. Be happy to do that. All right. Well, guys, um, Craig, Jimmy, Amanda, David, thank you guys for coming on. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk with us and, and put some really good information into this podcast. I think all of our members will, will get a lot out of this. Uh, whether you're from Middle East, West, any part of Tennessee, you can find our, our We Dig Tennessee podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever your favorite podcast listening app is, you can find it there. Just search We Dig Tennessee and uh, it'll pull up our show. Uh, with that, guys, stay safe out there and keep digging.